Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, I hope you're all having a great week. I am so thrilled to get into today's episode because joining us this week is the remarkably talented Janina Gabankar. Janina is an actress, writer, director, musician, producer, and founder of Safe Haven Productions, a production company she runs with her creative partner, Russo Schelling. She literally wears all the hats, and not only do I find her work ethic inspiring, but as a creative, I love all the projects she pursues and the direction she's taken her career in. She's worked on so many incredible projects in film, television, and gaming. You may know her work as an actor from her roles in films like The Way Back, Encounter, and Blind Spotting, as well as television shows like True Blood, The Morning Show, and the crime drama series Big Sky, which is currently airing on ABC. Janina also had her directorial debut in 2019 with her short film Stucco, which she produced, wrote, and starred in. The film tells the story of a woman, played by Janina, whose struggle with agoraphobia is explored when she hangs a new piece of art in her home. Not only will Janina be weighing in today on her experience directing Stucco, but she'll also be sharing what she's hoping to create with her production company, Safe Haven Productions. And of course, we'll also be diving into her latest role in ABC's Big Sky and what she's taken away from her character, Ren, on the show. Don't worry, there won't be any spoilers, just some fun teases that are going to make you want to binge watch the show. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation and learn more about Janina's wildly talented career. So you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Yeah, Janina, thank you so much for coming on. I am so excited because I I feel like you are a jack of all trades. Um, You've done so many different projects. I know you as an actor. Um, You know, you're currently starring in Big Sky on ABC, but I also know you from The Morning Show, which I love. And uh, you've also starred in The Way Back and um, also The Encounter, which is new. So a lot of different projects, but you also have a directorial debut that you recently had um, a few years back. I'm excited to talk about that as well. You've done a lot. So how, I guess, have you been handling it all? I mean, I have, I have no idea. You know, it's literally just like, how is anybody handling anything? My The thing that I always say is like, I think I, I like chalk it up to two things. One, I uh, have ADD. So just like that, that kind of brain just does a lot of things simultaneously. And, you know, in some ways it's to our detriment, but it is kind of a superpower in other ways. And then the other thing is like, I don't have kids. (laughs) I have so many girlfriends who have kids and they are doing just as much, if not more. I don't know how they're doing it, but I have no excuse (laughs) because so many women are just doing the most all the time. It's just part of kind of what part of life, you know? Yeah. And I mean, especially during the pandemic, like I just, I moms, you know, I give them such a round of applause all the time, but especially during the pandemic, like I can't even imagine juggling 
the pandemic alone, motherhood and like doing at home school, all of that. Yeah. I don't know how they're doing it. It's just, it, they're saints. They're just saints. Um, but I, I was looking at, I was looking at your podcast and it was like, I love that the, the tag is sort of like, I thought I had it together and I don't, but I'm handling it. So since you've been doing this podcast, what or just sort of like this project, what are the areas that you feel like you've been wanting to handle that you're like, oh no, I, I, I've made progress in these areas. Like what, is, what is it that in terms of this artistic project of handling it that you've mm-hmm. really like grown in? I think for me, especially it's funny because I started this podcast actually like right before the pandemic hit. Mm. And here I thought like I had enough, you know, trouble handling life. And then the pandemic hit and it was like, wow, like this is wonderful. Now, now I really can't handle anything, but what (laughs) I've learned, what I've learned. And I think in doing this all with having so many different people come on from such a wide variety of professions and seeing the things that they're doing, I've learned like, all right, not everybody has it all figured out. Nobody has it all figured out. Not one person. Yeah. So I guess in, in going about, you know, just not with just podcasting, but just sort of any project I've sort of, you know, given myself grace and knowing that like what I'm doing is my best and, you know, yeah, if it works for me, it works for me. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't have to work for somebody else. I don't need somebody else's approval and how I'm going about my life. So I think in terms of handling it and things that, you know, how I've learned to handle my life, it's just sort of figuring out what works for me and sticking with that. Mm. Yeah. So, and then I guess with you, cause I'm just so curious then, like I said, you've sort of, you know, deep dived into so many different realms of media and entertainment. I'm curious, like, have you always just been so like wildly passionate about a bunch of different things, having done so many different projects? Well, it's all sort of the same thing, you know, it's, it's like, uh, I'm just an, I'm just like a, still a weirdo artist girl, you know, mm-hmm. like I just kind of was born that way. I have big feelings. I got to put them somewhere. I'm the child of immigrants. So I have that like achievement obsession chip that has been implanted in my brain. So I have to like get it out, you know, mm-hmm. and um, then, and and there have been various mediums and and ways that I've learned to do that. I started my life as a classical musician. I played piano first. So I would like put my big feelings into a Beethoven piece. And then um, then I became a percussionist and I did the same thing there. And then I started singing and, you know, studying classical voice. And then, so again, these are all just different mediums. They're all kind of the same thing. Then I became an actor. Now I write and direct and I help other people make their own projects as a producer. So it's just, but it's all just in the spirit of communicating your stuff through uh, any medium, you know? Um, And, and in terms of just like the interest level of, I I do love like creating a process. I do love, Mm -hmm sucking at something until I get good at it, which is something you learn how to do when you start, you know, playing an instrument at four years old. You're just like, I am terrible until I'm good, good at this. And the only thing that changes that is the hours you put in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So I'm, so I'm definitely attracted to people who have that in them as well, in terms of that, like, oh, it just takes as long as it takes. 
and there's no shortcut. And, um, you know, there's like, there's like, a, there's like some, some sense of morality in that, right? Like that, like do it the right way, do it with, with all of your being, mean what you say, mean what you put into the world. All of that is kind of like, I don't know. It's just, that's never, none of that has changed. Yeah. Well, and then I'm curious because with acting specifically, I mean, I've seen you alone in so many different projects where you play such different characters. You know, like I feel Mm -hmm. like you're one of those individuals who isn't typecasted to a specific type of character and archetype. Um, When you're looking at roles then, like, do you just enjoy sort of surprising the audience and everything? Um, What do you really look for in a character then? Well, I'd love to say that I'm like, that I've ever been in a position to be able to surprise an audience. But I, you know, I, when I moved to LA, it was the mid two thousands and I was a Brown girl. There was like no space for me. Right. So I didn't think like, well, this time when they see me, they're going to, there's, there was no audience for me. I was never shown that there might be one. Right. So that was never really a part of the, the thought process. It was just, but I did come here wanting to, transform you know I was like I'd come out of theater school and I and I was like no I'm a character actor and some casting director said oh honey don't say that that character actors are people you don't want to see make out with other people on screen what a terrible thing to say right and I was like wait so the point is to be very attractive is that what you're telling me person that I perceive to be of status in my first year of moving to Hollywood you know very like just you're you I just knew that I wanted to come here to turn into other people and shed myself as much as possible. Then, you know, the opportunities to do that are very small. And then you just kind of, you, you, you find your way through it. And then after a while, you're right. Like I, I, my, my thing that I've always said to myself is if I've done it, then I don't want to repeat myself, Mm -hmm. you know, let somebody else do it. I'm sure she'll want to play this person, but I've already played her. So, um, that means you have to start saying no to people. And that's terrifying because, you know, it's just terrifying. You're like, well, no one's ever going to hire me again. And, um, but you know, there's only so many times you can, you can play the same girl before you get really bored. And a lot of what you have to do is like, keep yourself limber, keep yourself uh, childlike, keep yourself, your spirit from being jaded you know, mm-hmm. like protect, protect your spirit. And, and that's one of the ways that I've done it is just have the courage to say no, because you've, you, you just sort of basically have to say, you have to have the courage to say, thank you so much for liking my performance in that thing enough to want to hire me to play the exact same person again. Thank you so much, but I've done it. Right. And, um, that shit is scary. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, I could yeah. imagine because obviously, like this we know, I'm not an actor, but um, I, I'm trying to think because I feel like even conversations, like I remember having Usman Ali on, wonderful actor uh, in our first mm-hmm. season, and he's played such a wide variety of roles, such mm-hmm. a wide variety. And I remember discussing this with him too, where it's like, it's not always easy to say no. Not everybody can always like afford, you know, the chance to say no. Yeah. If you believe in sort of the capabilities and, you know, the wideness of your acting capabilities, um, sometimes it's, it's necessary, you know, to say no and sort of be constantly on the lookout of, you know, roles you want to fit into. Yeah. It's uh, terrifying. It's terrifying. And, and, 
everybody has to work. So, you know, I'm saying this now, but talk to me in five years. You know, I don't know what I'm, I don't know. Also, like you're, you're allowed to change your position at any time. <laughs> like, and this is something that I definitely changed on. Like I thought I came here to turn into other people and be unrecognizable. And then, um, and then I realized that my actual mission statement as an actor or just as an artist in general is that I want to examine the parts of ourselves that we're not proud of. So I started actually looking at opportunities to play characters and find a streak of myself that I haven't addressed yet. Mm-hmm. So something that is that I think is kind of whack about myself is something that I'll immediately put into another character, right? Um, and And make that the most of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, that's that kind. That's kind of interesting. But but I can no longer say, "Oh, she's not me." No, they're all me. They're all parts of myself that are probably not so great. But that's what's the most interesting work for me right now. You know, is right. like um, something something I something I wish I wasn't. Well, let's let's make that most of her and live in that and really look at it and unpack why, why am I like that? Or why are, why are we like that? Because they're mostly universal things, you know? Right. Well, and I think especially, you know, speaking of tapping into sort of wacky characters, uh, Ren on Big Sky, because <laughs> let's talk about it. Um, coming up in February, I believe, is the, you know, mid-season premiere. Yes. Um, which is exciting because uh, it sort of ended on a cliffhanger there. Oof. I won't spoil too much for anybody who hasn't, you know, caught, caught up. up. Yeah. Make sure you binge because we're coming back strong. Oh, I, I'm excited. Uh, but I guess, yeah, with that said, so Ren is like this beautifully chaotic cartel member. Um, What I love, what I love about her, I'm interested to hear what you love about her. What I love about her though, is that she's not your typical villain. Um, You know, she's sort of dressed to the nine always and has this very like interesting personality Uh, and she's chaotic. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I'm interested to hear though, like what do you love about her? And if you wouldn't mind, I guess, describing for some of the listeners who haven't watched, I guess, a little bit about who she is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, so Ren Puller is supposedly the villain of this season two of Big Sky, but you know, I don't really see anything she's done wrong. She did stab one guy. She did. Sure. But she was also, it was her like not self-defense, but she was like defending her, you know, buddy, coworker, friend. So, um, but yeah, you know, she's, she is kind of like a cartel princess. Um, and when Elwood, the showrunner called me and told me that she was going to be the big bad for the season, I was like, I just don't want to slink around like a Nikita with like a gun in my tight pants and sort of, you know, I've just seen it. And um, I don't want, I just don't want to. And um, then we started talking about her and, and I just realized like, you know, I could make her really strange, make her chaotic, make her unpredictable. And that is what makes her uncontrollable to everybody she meets. The other thing is that her father, this is not a spoiler. Everybody knows this. Her father is somebody in the cartel. We're going to, you know, you'll learn more about that, but like, because of that, she, you can't touch her. She owns the police. Her entire family is in charge of all of these drugs that are coming in. So what are you going to do to her? Nothing. And 
it's kind of fun to play somebody that is um, kind of having a great time and, uh, and is, and, you know, just like somebody who's supposedly the villain, but's looking at you and going, Oh no, no, I don't want to kill you. I will if I have to, but I don't want to, you're going to make me kill you. Please don't do that. That's silly. We can have fun. Let's just have fun. You know, and she has this way of empowering people. It's just, it's, um, she also, and I know a lot of women have learned how to do this in their lives because we have to, we have learned to zig when other people zag because we were born into a system that is not set up for us. So we have to learn how to find other ways to get something done. And she's constantly doing that. She's very good at that. And another thing that's great about her, at least so far, is like she's not using her sexuality to her advantage. She's just like, I have no quarrel with thee. Can we just get this moving? And um, it's just very fun. It's very fun to play. It's, it's fun to play a woman who's just, uh, who's just, I don't know, just like has nothing to lose. She's not going to lose. She knows she's not going to lose anything. You have everything to lose. Right. You know? Yeah, it's, I, I think that's, like I said earlier, that's what I love about her is that she's just, you know, sort of atypical for an antagonist and, mm-hmm. you know, just especially as a female antagonist, um, she's really different. And I love the way you play her because um, she's kind of quirky, like you said, but also like kind of chaotic. And it's just, it's really fun to watch. And the whole show, I mean, for anybody who likes a good drama, um, I feel like Ozark was, you know, the terrible thing that got me just hooked on sort of these like crime thriller dramas now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so especially uh. when cartels are involved. So now I'm hooked. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great. And I feel like with, you know, new episodes coming out soon, is there anything you can, you know, not spoil, but tease, uh, that we could be looking out for? Mm, okay. I can say she keeps talking about her family. You're going to meet them. And, you know, I just said that there's nothing that can really ruffle her. The only thing that can ruffle her is her family. And this is not the type of girl that you want to upset. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. Cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I had mentioned before your career goes, you know, so far past acting and I'm somebody who, you know, has worked on some short films myself. I am curious, you know, your short film, Stucco, that came out, I guess, in 2020 because the mm-hmm. pandemic happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> the pandemic happened and, you know, it uh, obviously 2020 was an interesting year for films to come out, but it came out and it's actually available. The reason why I want to bring it up is because it's available to stream right now. You can watch it on YouTube. I watched it and I loved it. Oh, thank you. Um, and like I had mentioned, it was dr- your directorial debut, but you also starred in it. So I'm curious because the whole film is really about sort of mental health and anxiety. Um, and the woman you play, you know, is sort of the individual struggling with all of this. Uh, I'm curious, what was, not only what was it like finally, you know, directing a project, but directing while also acting in it? You know, 
first of all, thanks for watching it. <laughs> you know, I shot it here in this house. Like that's where the, that's the house. <laughs> it's the house. Yeah. You know, and it's just like any, anytime you have to, you make a short film, you sort of uh -huh. call all your friends and, you know, you call in a bunch of favors and you say, Hey, do you want to get weird together? Um, I shot that entire ending in my little back house, you know, and it's just, uh, crazy, but, um, so I have a creative partner, his name's Russo. So he and I write and direct, um, everything together. And we were both going through not 2019 had been no 20. I don't even remember, but the, the, right. we had come off of some, a really hard go, both of us. And so we had to put it into something. And that is, that was where we put it. We put it into stucco. We really just, um, needed to, to, to just attack it, you know? And, you know, when you're directing and you're also acting, it's in some ways of, I mean, it's, it's hard in all the ways you can imagine, but it's also a little bit of a cheat. And this is a thing I don't think anybody will ever really admit to because everybody wants to make things seem really hard and difficult. But, you know, like you have to remember, I didn't have to translate all of the thoughts in our head to an actor. I just knew exactly, we wrote it and we were directing it. So we knew exactly what we were trying to make. All I had to do was go stand on the mark and deliver the performance, which is a skill set I have. So I didn't have to then take the time to break it down with an actor and then mold it. It's almost a cheat in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely an asset to be able to do both jobs. Awesome. Yeah. Especially if you're scrappy and you don't have a lot of money to make the thing and a lot of time. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, it really was like wonderful. I was going to say lovely, like a lovely psychological thriller, such an interesting <laughs> word to use, but it was, it was really wonderful. Cause I, it, it's funny as like a lover of film, I have certain genres that I love and like watch constantly and then others that I enjoy, but I don't see as frequently. And one of those is, you know, sort of like the sci-fi thriller, um, sort of like psychological thriller realm. And, you know, stucco really fits into that in some ways. And it is, it's kind of weird. It makes you think it's, I feel like a lot of people can relate to it in a lot of ways. I mean, mental health, anxiety, those are, those are things a lot of people can relate to. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was just really interesting. And I loved that, you know, you directed it. I'm curious. Cause you also have your own, um, <laughs> you're also you your own. Hold on. Do you want to see this? Oh, is it, is it an animal? Cause I'm here. It is an animal who, <laughs> who needs a cone right now. Love it. <laughs> um, so you guys are hearing, if you're hearing a screaming cat, it's a screaming sphinx cat with a cone on his head. Uh, that's what's happening. Okay, continue. I love Podcast, it. non-visual no. medium. Okay. I love the whole like work from home animal. This is what it is. Everyone. I'm here for it. I, I demand it in like, you know, a post-pandemic society. <laughs> so, um, but no, like one of, you know, the things that I love is that you know, you started this, you know, you're jumping into the director's chair and you have your own production company, uh, Safe Haven, which I'm curious, I guess, just the background within that, coming up with that, you know, how you wanted to sort of get involved in producing projects. Well, um, so I, 
you know, I, it, it's funny, like it, it's obviously evolved. Um, I named it Safe Haven because the, the house I grew up in, I used to call it a safe haven. At some point I realized, you know, my father, like most Indians from his generation came here with $8 in a scholarship and two hand-me-down suits and really made a life for himself and, and us and created a house that was like this place for us to be safe and grow in. And it was very special. And so I wanted to kind of take that with me. So I named my production company Safe Haven. And then, you know, I started making things. I produced, you know, my own music videos. I started producing short films for other people. I just sort of have always made things in some capacity. And then, um, you know, as it's evolved, I now have a full service podcast production company. The first podcast is um, Truest Blood, which is a look back, rewatch podcast that um, we're making with HBO. And the the sort of the ethos is really just, you know, I wanted to, I want to create a company that keeps artists safe because there's art and there is industry. And I've now been in this industry for so long that I can see when somebody is lying to the artists and patting them on the head and treating them like talent instead of the creators, instead of the value, the real value of the project. And I just don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. You know, I want to try to support and protect my friends as much as possible and uplift their projects um, and make them in-house if I can. So that is really kind of like the, the ethos of the company is when you come here, you are safe and I will tell you the truth and we will find the right way to make the thing or not make it at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so that's really what it's it's evolved into, and um, yeah, and, and yeah, what a, what a beautiful ethos to have. I mean, I think with you know within Hollywood over the past couple of years, especially, there's been so much going on, um, and I think you know a lot of it good, obviously, but then there has been some bad. There's been a negative light within Hollywood, and I think there's so much growth just within the past couple of years of individuals like yourself creating companies, creating projects that really, you know, elevate voices are inclusive and, you know, sort of have those ethical factors, those ethical components of just treating people fairly, you know, giving people respect um, no matter what role uh, an, individu- an individual plays within a production. So um, that's really, I love that. And I'm excited for, you know, all the projects that are going to continue to come out with it. So I'm curious, I mean, obviously, like we're in this new year um, and in an ideal society, what are you hoping, you know, to bring out of this, out of Safe Haven? Oh, goodness. Um, well, <clears throat> well, we have an entire slate of podcasts that I'm finding homes for right now. Um, and uh, Russo and I have um, two films, one of which has been announced um, that, you know, as soon as it's safe to make it in the world, we will make it physically. Uh, in the meantime, we are developing a docuseries and, you know, we're, we have we have a lot of projects and we're really allowed the time to develop them further instead of having them rush because you can't physically make them right now. So, you know, it's really just like you, 
there are, it's obviously a double-edged sword, but you have, you know, we're taking the opportunity to see it as a blessing, slow ourselves down and um, take the steps wisely, you know? Like, you know, right before I talked to you, I was talking, I had like a development call with a, with a, a girlfriend of mine who was an incredible idea. Um, and she has, she has an, she has an incredible script, but I'm, I'm also sort of like, just, just think about, think about what the, the, the thing that means the most to you, what about this script do you need to tell the most to feel sound in yourself? And, um, do you need to make it visually to express that? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, can it be a podcast? Can it be, uh, does it have to be, does it have to be, can it be a TV show? Like what the medium itself, you can transpose, but the real, the question is really what is the point? What means the most to you? Where is the value in this piece? And I think a lot of that um, ability to ask that question has come from the fact that I was lucky enough to be an instrumentalist first because I feel the same way playing a piano piece as I do in a scene. I channel the same way. And, um, and that, you know, that's just really, that's, that's where I like to live, especially when I'm collaborating, collaborating with another artist is like, just like, what do you, what do you need? What do you really need in your heart and soul? Because that thing right there, if you can be honest about what that is, that is universal, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So. I, as you know, as someone who loves multimedia projects and has worked in, you know, multimedia projects, I think knowing what your story is and why you want to tell it like you have to figure out that first, you know, before you make any project. But not everybody does, you know, mm -hmm. like not everybody is having that conversation. They're coming up with a cool idea, like this thing happens as opposed to what are we saying? What are the themes, you know, like what is the, the most human raw part of this story? Why do we need to, why, why now? Why us and why now? you know? And if you can really figure that out, then you can do it in numerous ways. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, the why is so important and uh, it's, I mean, I completely understand it from sort of the point of view of like loving film. And I've seen so many films that, you know, have made no impact at all whatsoever on my life. And <laughs> I mean, it's fair to say there's some films out there that have, you know, really not made much of an impact on the world. And well, that's fine. That's fine I mean, too. That is right. totally fine. Like I need to laugh my ass off at something sometimes. And that, and like those jokes in that moment are the thing that, that matters the most because that energy is necessary you know? Yeah. Um, and you might not remember that joke later, but my God, it got you through a dark time in that moment. You know, who knows? It's it, not everything needs to be like, I mean, if you look at my career, not everything has been some huge fabulous, you know, like it doesn't matter. You can just have a great goddamn time, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but just in terms of what I'm attracted to supporting and I'm attracted to developing, that is kind of, those are the conversations I find myself having with other artists. Right. Projects with intention that 
no matter what genre, you know, no matter what size of a project it is, can, you know, have some sort of influence on somebody else's life, right? Like that's why things are created there, you know, because we're passionate about it, but also for an audience. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see what all you continue to do with it. Um, Thanks, so- girl. You too. I mean, I think it's pretty great for, you know, to, to reach a part, in your li- a part of your life and go, oh, good Lord, I don't have this. I don't, ha- I don't know anything. What do I know? And then, you know, reach out to other people and and try to learn from them. You know, it's like, that's a, that is a stay learning, stay learning y'all. Yeah. Well, and I think with that said, uh, you know, I always love concluding on the topic of handling it, which, you know, we talked a little bit about in the beginning. Um, but as we discussed, I feel like there's no right or wrong way to handle your life. I Mm -hmm. I tell people this all the time. I've had so many individuals come on and they're like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not handling it. And I'm like, that's all right. But you are in a way because whatever you're doing is clearly working and it's working for you. So Janina, I'm curious with all the different projects you've worked on throughout your career or just in your personal life in general, has there been a a piece of advice or just a lesson that's sort of been your through line um, that's really helped you handle your life? Hmm. Well, I do a few things. They're like mandatory for me. One, I surround myself with people that are so much smarter than me. <laughs> um, that's one thing. My dad told me to do that when I was little, and I and I it definitely stuck with that. I, I stuck with that. Um, it's not hard to find people that are smarter than me, but uh, it's something that I'm very attracted to doing. Right. Um, and then also, you know, I I because I have ADD, I have a hard time you like tracking things and getting a thing done. So I just, I have, I write down to-do lists and I, they are sacred. So if it, if it gets written down, it will get crossed out because it will get done. So, you know, I've created a process for myself of accountability. And that is something that I, I, it's different for everybody, but that accountability thing is, um, can be hard. And, um, you know, just that's one thing that I, I hope everybody kind of finds for themselves along the way is like, is it a person that looks you in the face and says, you're on some bullshit, girl. I'm going to be the person who holds you accountable for the thing you said you were going to do for yourself. You know, that, that is an equation that's hard to balance. But as soon as we can do that for ourselves, that's when we, um, you know, we, we handle it. That's how we handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I am a girl who loves a to-do list, so I can relate to that. And it does. It helps me not only stay motivated, but like you said, stay accountable, hold myself to my deadlines, hold myself to my commitments. Um really really important. And I think, you know, as we all like embark on this new year, I think that's really something, you know, important to keep in mind. Yeah, and also like it's all hard. It's yeah. all hard. All of it's hard you know, and that's okay. We're all doing our best. Just lead, lead with compassion towards yourself as well. And that's kind of it, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, most things, most moments of conflict can be solved with gratitude. I know that sounds crazy, but you know, you can find a moment of gratitude, even in the worst case, when somebody has wronged you terribly, you know, I went through some stuff quite a few years ago where I was like, I'm not going to find my way out of this. I don't know how to do this. And one of my girlfriends who holds me accountable said to me, when somebody shows you who they are, thank them. 
Thank you for showing me who you truly are. Now I know, mm-hmm. you know, there, so most things can be solved with, with gratitude, even the darkest stuff. Oh, I love that. I love all the good advice I always get every episode. And especially, like I said, we're in this new year. I love just like, you know, soaking it all up. I think that's great. <laughs> But yeah, Janina, thank you so much again for coming on. Thank um, you. you know, Big Sky is coming out in ABC. Everybody it go is. watch it in February. So please do binge so you're ready because shit's about to go down. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. <laughs> well, Janina, thank you so much. Um, have a happy weekend. And yeah, so appreciate you coming on. Thanks, you too. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Janina. What I love most about her is the drive she has to jump into so many different projects and professions. She also offered up some great advice today that I hope you're able to connect with. And if you'd like to check out her work in Big Sky or her short film Stucco, links are in the episode description below. Thank you to Janina so much for coming on and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast, and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I will see you in two weeks with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now, and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.